Welcome back to your latest episode of High School Transcript. This is your host, Rowan, joined here today by... Your co-host, Brayden, and here, we're here with Mrs. Weber, an amazing teacher here with some amazing stories to share with us. We hope you enjoy giving it a listen. All right, let's, let's start off with uh, what were you like in high school? High school was an interesting time. Um, I would describe myself as an AP student in high school. Um, I was involved in, like, Model United Nation and um, different community service, but um, now you know how your avid kids feel when you make them do life stories. You know, I have never actually. I've been to one student's life story because I teach avid nine, so I don't usually get the opportunity to experience students' life stories. But there was one that I had the opportunity to see and. I enjoyed watching it because I got to see the other perspective, but there's times that I'm like, I want to do it in ninth grade. But we do do a mandala, which is probably more so, even Mm -hmm. worse for them, Mm -hmm. because it requires them to do uh, public speaking at the ninth grade level, and a lot of times they're not all for that. Well, I'm sure our students will enjoy this. So uh, back to you. Back to me, high school. So the reality of high school for me, I was that AP student. So back in the day, we had anyone that was a 4.0 GPA and above was a valedictorian. So um, I graduated as a a valedictorian from Elsinore High School, but although I graduated as a valedictorian, I wasn't number one in the class, which there's always been that controversy both ways. I mean, we want to celebrate all of our students that have gone through and accomplished a 4.0 because that's a huge accomplishment but at the same time it does kind of take away and even as I'm like yeah I was a valedictorian I feel like I always have to say but I was a valedictorian of 10 because there were 10 of us so I even feel like I have to clarify and it almost feels like you're a fraud when you say I was a valedictorian oh but just wait I was not just the valedictorian but a valedictorian of many. Um, In high school, other than being an AP student, I really enjoyed choir my ninth grade year, but I didn't have the opportunity to continue to do that. And that was kind of a theme for me. I wanted to experience more and be involved in different opportunities. But as an AP student, you don't always get to fit everything into your schedule. And I can always remember going into my counselor each year and thinking, all right, maybe this year will be the year that I get to do choir. Um, And I was lucky enough to do it my ninth grade year. But after that, uh, it just didn't fit into my schedule anymore. And that's that's what I kind of remember of high school is just always the anxiety of what am I going to be able to fit in this time? As you say you're a 4.0 student, how was it like growing up? What do you mean, how was it growing up? Like, what did I do as a result of being a student that was 4.0 and what home life looked like? Yeah, pretty much what your home life was to lead you to be a 4.0 student. So, although I was a 4.0 student, like, it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, I have to put in a lot of time and energy in order to excel and I'm totally willing to put in that time and energy I remember even there was a time I was talking with my physics class and I made the comment I'm like guys it's not that hard it only took me three hours and they're like oh three hours what and I was always willing to put in that time but it does not necessarily come naturally to me ultimately I ended up 
at a or at UCSD for for college and one of the stories I like to tell students now is although I always thought like the UC was the only place for me to go I realized that I would have been better off at uh, CSU that had smaller class sizes and that's something when I went and visited Mr. Um, Weber at Fresno State uh, his class sizes were so much more productive to my learning style so that's one thing I'd, I'd like to, to share with the student body. We, as students that are 4.0 GPA and above, we think, oh, we need to go to that Ivy League school or the UC and the CSU isn't good enough, but really look at the college that you feel is the better fit for you, not just what everyone societally believes that you should be going to. Yeah, Rowan's already bored with my answers. Girl, no. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why like I actually I struggle in larger settings because I have this like oh they're bored and like I'm saying things and it's not relevant to them but I'm actually more of a like smaller setting fewer people and even one-on-one -on -one because it's more of a back and, and forth and the reality is is I'm much more of a I'm more comfortable when I'm listening and observing than talking especially about myself. So what was like life after high school look for you? What did it look like? So after high school, I did uh, go straight into UCSD and I, I loved UCSD and, and the experience there. Um, once again, I kind of found my, myself in a situation that I was this 4.0 student and then all of a sudden there were classes that I was excited to get a C in when I got to the university. And part of that was the fit of the college and the other part was science classes versus other classes because at UCSD, there were some courses that I took that it was two tests that determined my entire grade. It was the midterm and it was the final. And for some students that is great and they would love for their grade to be based off of two tests, but for me, in high school, the reason I was able to excel was all the other assignments that helped because I wasn't always the, the best test taker. So it was a whole different experience when I got to college. Um, but I also enjoyed the social aspect of, of college and I got involved being a residence assistant and even before that doing orientation being an orientation leader. So it, it's those opportunities that there's times now I'm like, I'd love to go back to college, but then I'm like, but not to take any of the classes, just to enjoy the student side of things and the leadership side and the getting to know people. And honestly, even going and sitting in some of the classes would be fun without the obligation of the work and the tests and being required to learn but going in order to just experience some of the additional knowledge. When you first started college, what did you intend on your major being and what career did you see yourself having in the future? So when I went in, um, I was gonna be a doctor, just like the majority of almost all the other students at UCSD. Um, but let me, let me actually take you back a little bit because this is a story that I share with my AVID students and not everyone gets to be in my AVID class. So let me, let me take you through that story. When I was in kindergarten, I can remember being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I 
very quickly decided I wanted to be a doctor. And I cannot articulate to you now why it is that I wanted to be a doctor, but I had that in my mind and it just progressed. I held on to it and I can even remember growing up, some of my aunts and uncles would ask like, are you still planning on being a doctor? And there was almost that sense of no one else in my my family had gone on to college. So there was that sense of like, really, you're still planning on going? And there was that doubt there. And that drove me even more because I was like, no, I have to show that I can do this and I ha- I have to be able to prove that I'm able to succeed in this. Um, and I continued on with that all the way until my sophomore, no, it was junior, between my junior and my senior year of college. So I was working through, I had accomplished organic chemistry, one of the uh, courses that sometimes causes uh, pre-med students to decide not to, to go, go pre-med. But then I was really exploring the option of being a dentist. And the reason I, I decided to potentially do dentist is I also was in a relationship with Mr. Weber at this point, and I knew I had always wanted to be a mom. And in my head, I couldn't envision being a mom and a doctor. There's a lot of things actually, as we grow up, that we have these mental images that as we get older, we realize that those mental images aren't true. I mean, now I would tell you I could have absolutely have been the mom that I wanna be now and a doctor, but my 18, 19 year old self could not see that. But my 18, 19 year old self could see me being a dentist. So it was the, I was still accomplishing being the doctor per se, while also having the ability to have that family. So I was, I was driving towards that, but it really, it didn't excite me as much as being a doctor. It was more of a settling for the purpose of wanting to have a family and still being a doctor. But between my sophomore and my junior year of college, I really kind of paused and looked at all the things that I actually enjoyed in life. And it went all the way back to being younger and helping in my siblings' um, classrooms. It went back to elementary and being a student that would walk brand new students around the campus and show them around. It went to high school. Um, being, I would always go and help back at Elsinore High School with registration. And that's actually probably where I ultimately found my passion of my career of education, is it was those things that I, I looked at back and I was like, you know what, no. The only reason I am still working on becoming a doctor is because I have to prove myself to others. And I made the decision to go into education. It was hard though initially, because initially I was still dealing with my mental model of, I'm going into education and I'm a failure because I didn't become the doctor that I said I was going to do and my entire family, um, not my entire family, so my, my parents were always very supportive in, in whichever direction, but I felt like it was my aunts and uncles and cousins that I needed to, to prove myself to. Um, so it did, it took me a little bit to get past that, that mental model of not being um, a doctor and accepting that my true passion was being an educator. Notice I'm using the term educator. Um, I never got into this to be a teacher. 
Um, and that even goes back to when I made the decision that I wanted to go into education, I wanted to be a high school counselor. And that has to do with the fact that I had an amazing counselor, uh, and he's actually still over at Elsinore High School, Mr. Cam or Mr. Lyman, and then I, Mr. I, Cameron first name, but Mr. Lyman. And then Mrs. George over there at Elsinore High School, she allowed me to, to really get my hands on things and, and help and support and even looking at the, the master schedule um, puzzle that a lot of administrators look at now, there's kind of been a shift in that, but she gave me that opportunity to, to look at the board and figure out, okay, how can I fit choir into my schedule my senior year in order to be able to do AP classes and choir? So it was that that I decided I wanted to be a counselor, but being a counselor, 50% of the school districts in California require you to be a teacher first. So for me, it was, okay, well, let's go get my teaching credential. Why not? Let's start down the path. And then I started down that path and decided to get my admin credential over my uh, counseling credential. And I think that was just a matter of counseling became less of where I wanted to be. I was thriving in the classroom, um, figuring out how to, how to hold students accountable. And by figuring out how to manage a classroom and hold students accountable, I was providing them opportunities to see success that some of them had never experienced. And it's really my students that would typically have Fs in all of their classes, but they were passing my class A because I'm really good at nagging students to get their work done. Um, I won't let it go and I will continually come back to like, oh, you wanna go to the restroom? Well, how's that assignment coming along? Or I, I don't just forget it. I'm constantly like trying to motivate them and because of that like some of them found success and those are the students that taught me the most but at the same time I took a transition and I don't even know when it happened but it just kind of happened with each experience with each student um, those students are some of the students that taught me so many things through the stories that they've shared I had a pretty good childhood. I mean, I financially, my parents lived paycheck to paycheck, but like I always thought I had a good, decent life. But some of the stories that the students have shared with me, like I, I'm a better educator today because of those students and the hardships that they've experienced that I can't even imagine. So it's it's those those kiddos that have taught me so much more. And, and it's it's even the reason why you're getting the, the Weber that you're getting now, because the Weber 15 years ago when I first started in education, I would have never imagined like having a, really having students ask me questions and being comfortable enough to be open with students. So thanks to all those, those kiddos. And I, I do have a couple of them that I really, I stay in contact with um, and I, I check on them and I even let them know the impact that they've made on me because they think I've made an impact on them. But the reality is, is you guys as students are the ones that are impacting us as we go through life. We, um, we make you less of a hard ass. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I knew something was going to come out. <laughs> Rowan's been working on me like simmering down since the beginning of the year. <laughs> and even this year, the experience of being in ASB, because that's a whole nother ball game. 
and it's not always easy and there are times that I'm like no how are we gonna grade the students in ASB it's not logical and I struggle with the lack of logic um, and that's that's an area for me to grow and I'm always looking for how do I grow as someone so yes thank you Rowan for I continually <laughs> challenging me <laughs> to not be such a hard mess <laughs> Um, what was teaching, like, when you started your teaching career, how was your first couple years of teaching? What did that look like? So my very first year was at a charter school, and it was my intern year. So I didn't have the experience that some teachers have of having a master teacher and taking over their class. It was a here you go, sink or swim. And by the way, while you're at it, here are your four different classrooms, and you're moving classrooms each time. And it was an experience I'll always remember, and I learned a lot. And even to the classroom management side of not only managing students, but managing the time aspect of it as well. So there was a lot of Starbucks that happened that first year between lesson planning, grading. Um, also, I was finishing my credential program at that point too, so I myself was still a college student. So I ended up moving back in with my parents at that point, and I was driving back and forth between Lake Elsinore and UCSD on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and then the rest of the days, I was at a, a school in the Escondido area, so I was at least going to Escondido every time. But as you guys probably, many of you know, like, I'm pretty dedicated, so it was just one of the crazy times of my life, and now I continue to have crazy times in my life by whenever I, I slow down enough and don't have enough to do, I put on another hat and figure out a new thing to take on so that I'm constantly learning. Probably not the answer you're looking for, but that's where my brain We already know me. you have no chill over. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> So when did you, when you started at Lakeside, I think it's my understanding that you started here like at the beginning of, or almost the beginning of Lakeside, like you've been around for a while. So I was not the very first group of teachers hired, but I was the first group of teachers that finished off the hiring. So in other words, when we had all four grades, that's when I was hired on. So it was the first time that we had grade 9, 10, 11, and 12, because when the school initially opened, it's my understanding that we had 9th and 10th grade, but we didn't have 11th and 12th grade. So it was like the third year that we were open was my first year here at Lakeside. Were you always a science and avid teacher? So I started off as being a science teacher, and there's this class actually that was called environmental science. So this was an interesting one. I was contacted by the principal here at Lakeside, and she said she wanted me to work at Lakeside. At that point, there were actually two positions open. There was one at Elsinore High School, and then there was one open here at Lakeside. And I was totally open to working at Elsinore because I had graduated there, or working here at Lakeside because I had my brother-in-law, well, future brother-in-law at that point, um, who was also a student here, and he was really involved. So I was happy to work at either location but the principal called me up and she wanted me at Lakeside and she's like we have a very special room and a special assignment for you I don't know how many of you have been in Miss Lala's current room but it is 
ginormous. And there's also this pillar in the middle of the room as well, which by the way, students try to hide from me behind that pillar when I was teaching my first year here at Lakeside, didn't always work. Um, but between that special room that I was in and sharing that room at the same time, my first year at Lakeside, there was environmental science, which isn't actually environmental science, it's actually earth science, but we called it environmental science for reasons we won't even get into. Um, I avoided everything that was earth science as a science teacher. Like I have more chemistry and physics in my background than I had earth science. And in fact, you're supposed to go through an earth science class in order to become a teacher, but I had a waiver to get out of that class. So imagine it's my first full year teaching and I'm given this environmental science class. I'm like, yes, this is cool ecology. So I go to the library and I'm like, hey, can I check out my books? You know, like super nerdy, like really excited being a first year and our librarian now, Mr. Amata, who is still our librarian, he's like, here's your environmental science book. And I'm like, that's an earth science book. He's like, yeah, it's essentially earth science. So that was that was an interesting uh, time learning something alongside the students. But then that was only the first time that that was happening. Um, because you, you talk about or you ask the question, have you was it always science and habit? So initially it started off as science. But then um, I, the same year, and this was another crazy time in life, the same year that I was asked to join the added team, I also was finally convinced by my students because the students most certainly were the ones that were trying to convince me to take AP Biology. So I had already committed that I was gonna start teaching AP Biology, but then I was also teaching AVID for the first time in the same year. So learning two very um, challenging courses at the same time was was that year and I've, I've been teaching science and AVID since then. Kind of stopped doing AP Biology, passed that along to, to others to take on. Um, but then now, um, pass the science hat on, which is a whole interesting experience, not teaching science after 15 years. Although we always have an opportunity in ASB to throw some type of science in. So, the nerdy science side of me will forever be a part of my teaching, no matter what. It might not be the daily lesson. <laughs> However, we do talk about glucose. Go get your glucose. <laughs> we do talk about staying hydrated. <laughs> so so uh, from your perspective, how was Lakeside when it first came up from when you first started here? We have gone through some times here at Lakeside, and it has been up and down and all around, and it has been a great experience to to live through that, and there are some times that conversations start happening, and it takes me back, and we've had some great times all the way to when we were um, celebrating the fact that we were the number one academic school, that our test scores were higher than Elsner Highs and, and TCs, like that was a proud moment for us. And we had this huge celebration of carnival games out in the quad. Um, also other times of carnivals before homecoming games or even homecoming floats. So it's, it's really interesting now that this is coming up on like year 14 here at Lakeside, it's interesting to see things kind of roll through because there's times where we're like, hey, homecoming floats. And we're like, yeah, we've done that. But hey, maybe it is time to, to bring that back. So it's been interesting just to, 
kind of ride the ride and, and have that history in the background. And sometimes there's things that it's like, oh no, we we went down that path and we probably shouldn't go down that path again. Or there's also times that it's, we've gone down that path, but A, you guys as students are constantly changing. I mean, when we first started, or when I first started here at Lakeside, not every student had a phone. And now pretty much if you don't have a phone, you're the person that is um, rare. So even the progression of technology and how we use that and the way we look at it. And it was actually interesting. Mr. Weber was on campus helping me do a recording and he saw a poster on the wall about no cell phones and it being the time to learn. And he pointed out to me, he goes, you know, from my perspective, because he's in the technology industry, they would never be expected to not have their phone with them. And it's almost that that phone is now, it's almost expected that you have it. And seeing that trend transition even through the ages and, and through the times. So you as students, society, I mean, everything's changed. So there's some aspects like, uh, and some of the teachers are gonna be like, she's gonna use that word, seminar and, um, I forget the other one that, that we use, but it was basically like uh, intervention period that we rotated through. And then we also had something similar to our, oh, it was called round table, which is similar to advisory. So we, we decided as a, a team that maybe seminar wasn't where we went, but we did, we looked at advisory and we did bring it back there pre-COVID pre times. So there are some times that things need to be looked at again because we're we're constantly progressing and growing and that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about the history of Lakeside is I feel like I've been a part of its history and have been through most of it not all of it there are some teachers on the campus that were here at the the very 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 beginnings but what's your most uh, memorable experience here at Lakeside so I don't have a memorable experience but one of the things that stands out to me is the extracurricular stuff. So there's the classroom and that's that's what we end up doing as our profession, but it's everything that I do outside of the classroom. I really enjoy taking photos. I mean, I was stoked and I didn't realize how happy I would be last Saturday when we had a cross country scrimmage and I had the opportunity to come out and take photos. I did not know how happy that would make me but it took me back to all of the football games that I've taken pictures at, the water polo. And even now, sometimes in ASB, we're looking for photos in order to create flyers. And it's like, oh, I've got something for that. So it hasn't been an experience, but it's capturing the memories that I've really enjoyed doing here at Lakeside. And even, cause initially when you asked me that question, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go into the fact that talking to everyone that happens to be hanging out at the dance at 11.30 waiting for the last student to be picked up because those are memories that I have because I have been at the majority of the dances and that's something as much as it's a, a grumbling moment of like, oh, the kids aren't picked up. It's still a time to build relationships with some of those kids um, because those are kids that I may not have in my class, but hearing their stories and the opportunity to so, you know, nag them a little bit more like, so, hey, when's that, that, that ride coming for you? You said they're on their way. It's been 15 minutes. So, yeah, the outside of the classroom experience are the things that stand out to me the most.
How, um, how has your recent transition to ASB been? How have you felt about that? <laughs> as, as Mr. Uh, Flannery over here is like, yes, please tell us, please tell us. Indulge me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, a, it, well, it's not always comfortable. And to be honest with you, that's when we, we, we grow the most. And going back to even some of the things that I mentioned before, not knowing how to grade participation in the ASB, not knowing how to provide a grade, not knowing how to ensure that all students are involved because it's such a different class and opportunity. But as I'm going through it, the chance to build leaders to, I, I'm finding that there are leadership things that I have experienced in my life that I had no clue, but then it'll spark something, something one of you as students will say, and then I find myself going on this random tangent and feeling like I'm potentially <laughs> preaching to you guys and being like, all right guys, we should be inclusive, and this is the reason why, I mean, even to, as I say that word inclusive, one of my lessons and going back to when I was hired, one of the things that I told the hiring committee, I said, I can wear green and I can wear red, but I just cannot wear blue. And that was my mentality and my attitude when I first hired on in this district because boy gosh, I went to Elsner High School and at that point, TC was the rivalry school and we just did not do blue because it was all about the red because I was a very spirited student. But now that I have lived in the community and I've had opportunities like Ryla, which is um, a leadership camp for students that are juniors that I'm so sad we haven't been able to do recently, I've gotten to know the students at TC in a different light as well and realize that we are all the same. We are all trying to accomplish the same things. Um, and if we come together as a community of Lake Elsinore, so going back to that idea of inclusion even, and there's times that, there's, there's healthy competition sometimes, but there's times that we'll get in a spot that we are maybe a little more negative than I'd like to be. And I totally get it, because I was there as a student too. But now it's a, all right guys, like let's, let's figure out how can we work with them as a team, which we're currently doing soon because we're doing the um, gaming event with TC. So yay, coming together and being inclusive and reaching out to our fellow cross highway family. Do you see yourself continuing to be the ASB director or where do you see yourself say like six years from now? Six years from now is a very interesting uh, thing. And so last year this time, let's see, that would have put us at COVID. Let's go two years this time. I wouldn't have imagined being an ASB director even. I would have imagined being an administrator at that point. Um, for the longest time, I had my admin credential, but I felt I was making more of an impact in the classroom, holding those students accountable and making them realize that they can't be successful, than I would have even been able to make up in the AP office. Um, I enjoyed going up there and what I would call playing AP occasionally, um, but I still ultimately enjoyed going back into the classroom. 
But then there was something that, that changed, and I can't even put my finger on it, but I got to a point that I felt like I was no longer making as much of an impact in the classroom that I could make a larger impact by being an administrator. And I applied to be an admin uh, at a couple of different schools and those positions didn't end up happening. But then I started thinking about being a counselor again too. And I will have my counseling credential come uh, this June, July-ish, but I don't know what six years holds for me. Um, but I know that I have options. Six years from now could be me still working alongside Flannery and rocking this and being the number one high school uh, academically and uh, activities wise and, and supporting the students in that role. Or it could be me up in the counseling office and supporting, or it could be me as an administrator. So I really don't know what my future holds other than Um, No matter where I am in six years, I'm going to be supporting students and students are going to be supporting me because you guys continue to teach us as well. So six years from now, I'm going to be supporting. Um, But I don't know what role I'm going to be wearing. But one of the things that I enjoy is I like wearing multiple hats. And I think I like wearing multiple hats, not only for the supporting, but also for the tying things together. Um, showing up to the meeting and and pulling what may have come out of one meeting and then bringing it into another meeting so that we can be holistically better. So I know that's your non-answer to my answer of like, ah, Weber didn't give it to me straight. But to be honest, like, I don't know what the straight answer is, but there's some glory in the fact that we don't know what the straight answer is as long as there is a future and options. So do you plan on being involved in the schools till retirement, or do you have any plans in the future? I always joke with Mr. Weber that um, if we were to move out of the area, because this area is my heart, um, I grew up as a student here, and then I have dedicated almost 15 years to supporting the community, that if I am no longer going to be an educator, that well, if I'm no longer going to be in our community, that we're going to move somewhere else because he's talked about potentially moving outside of the country, just kind of joking about it. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm quitting my job. (laughs) So if I am not um, supporting students, it'll be because I got to retire early. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't pull a wimpany and then just like dip out and then decide to come back and then dip out again, you know. You know, our, hey, but our, at least he came back. At least he came back. <laughs> our teachers that leave us and they come back, we we only let those that are really special come back. <laughs> where do you plan on moving if you guys end up like as is, I know it's a joke, but like where have you been talking about? Well, and there hasn't even been talk other than like outside of the country. Like it's it's that superficial and that much of a joke. At least in my brain, um, more so because. Even the moving to another city that's not Lake Elsinore. Okay, well, we did Wildemar for a little while, so I guess I technically, um, once I moved into the... <laughs> Flannery's over here laughing at me. <laughs> oh, yeah, technically so Wildemar. <laughs> well, that was a far move. That I had a traumatic moment when I was younger because I grew up in Lancaster. Same doctor that delivered me delivered my mom. So my parents decided 
when we were in sixth grade that we were going to leave Lancaster and oh surprising I did live in Canyon Lake too Flannery so did Canyon Lake for a split six months um (laughs) 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 oh Whitpenny loves the little button (laughs) yeah so we um moved to Canyon Lake at that point but that was pretty traumatic for me because I grew up with um, all of my my cousins, and we moved away from them. I moved away from all of my friends, and it was this new place. So, um, but finally, I embraced this new place, and now I can't imagine leaving it. Usually, once in a while, I'm like, "Hey, wouldn't it be great just to like buy a motorhome and just travel?" What are hobbies that you have outside of the school, outside oh, of teaching? This is the, the the question that everyone wants to know. <laughs> Don't hit me with the supporting others, bro. <laughs> we need to elaborate. So the funny story here is uh, I was so resistant. Rowan and I were actually having a uh, who is more stubborn uh, war over Look if I was going to fill out my <laughs> favorite hobbies. <laughs> I let her win. <laughs> all right, all right. I vote Rowan. <laughs> I, I tossed you. her a bone. <laughs> Um, hobbies. So I actually, before starting this podcast, I'm like, well, what, what exactly is a hobby? Like, what's your definition of a hobby? Um, and I guess if I had to choose a hobby, my hobbies would be photography, um, taking photos and, um, I mean, I enjoy traveling. I feel like in order to travel and truly enjoy traveling, like you need to take two weeks to travel. Because the first week it's like exploration and and seeing all the things. And then the second week it's like, yeah, now I can relax. So sometimes travel has a double-edged sword because I feel like there's never a long enough period of time to travel. But I enjoy traveling too and just hanging out with my biological children. Um, That's a term that I I like to use. I have, uh, I used to joke when I taught biology, I had my bio kids, which were my students, and then my biological children, which are those that share DNA with me. So I guess the boring answer is photography. What's Uh, your favorite place to travel to? um, So I have a couple. Um, And probably the reason why I have a couple is it goes back to that sense of wanting to be able to relax at some level when traveling and I've been to these locations often enough that I can go there and and not feel the need to explore all the areas and that is Cabo. So we have a resort at the Welk um, Resort in Cabo that it's it's like family. We go there, they remember the kids, the kids have all grown up. So that's one of my favorites and then also a resort in Phoenix, Arizona is our, our another favorite. Now, I've joked recently about this summer because I I just want to get out and travel so much because we've been really not traveling because of COVID that I want to drive cross country. But I have my children that I think would be so excited to drive cross country and they don't want to. They're like, uh, can I just fly there? I'm like, no, you can't fly there. You're gonna miss everything in between. What do you mean you don't want to go on a cross country trip? But then I can't just imagine getting in the car and going with me and Mr. Weber because I'll want my children with me to be like, oh my gosh, do you see that beautiful colored rock over there? Sounds like Weber's taking ASB on a little road trip. Is that is that what I'm hearing? You know, the only problem there is the financial <laughs> support of it all. How awesome would it be? You know, ASB leadership 
Let's get the motor home. Cross country trip. Cross country. Just leave the paperwork to Flannery. He'll figure it out. I think we're all laughing at that one. <laughs> we I love mean, you, Flannery. All right, so we have some student questions. Um, some coming from your ASP class and Flannery's as well. Um, what inspired you to start teaching? That goes back to the pausing over the summer and looking at all the things that I really enjoyed in life and understanding that that was education. So being a RA, resident advisor, um, planning lessons for them, being an orientation leader, um, even, even I will tell you, new teacher meetings. So um, Mr. Winpenny actually got to experience new teacher meetings and I, oh, and Mr. Flannery too. And it wasn't something that I even created. I think it was something that Mr. Glenn got going, but um, he invited me in and it was something that I enjoyed. So the fact of just being with other people and, and helping and supporting them and being an educator is all about that. So I'm definitely having one of those moments of, are they laughing at me or no, with no. me or at something else? And really, I'm like, what did I miss? I'm laughing at him because we've talked about the new And when Penny's on the side, twice. <laughs> Every time the new Tunis comes up, he's like, I did it twice. <laughs> twice. I think Miss Odell did too. Yeah. Well, and, and at that point, you guys were kind of doing it as like, it, it was a fun place to hang out. I mean, it, 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 with every class. Teachers? Fun? Yeah, new and teachers. My, okay, my, okay. My first year, it, it was actually really helpful. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, there was the right group. Like, myself, Wim, Penny, and Bell always kind of came in the same year. Weber was there. Glenn was there. Um, I loved Stockdale and, and Debbie Hanlon. They were both there. Um, so the group that was involved, at least my year, I was like, okay, I can see why we're doing this. This is a lot of fun, and this is a good introduction to the campus. We'd walk out and just feel inspired. And once again, getting back to, it wasn't just the senior teachers that were doing the inspiring, but the new teachers were inspiring us as well. So it was just an awesome um, it was a cool, group of people. It was that, a cool collaboration. Yeah. It really was. I, I actually miss it this year. And, there was the, like, let's get this going, but just one more meeting <laughs> this year was not anyone's idea of fun. Another question is, what inspired you to get involved with ASB? Um, yes, I was asked to be a class advisor by Ms. Castillo, and Ms. Castillo was the ASB director here when I first came in, and she probably asked me, A, because she was looking for an adult that had a lot of energy and was at a lot of events and I was out there taking photos like I, I still do today. Um, so from there, I just continued to come to all the activities and be involved and supported all of the ASB directors that we've had since then. So from Ms. Castillo helping and supporting Ms. Neelan and then um, helping and supporting Ms. Green and then from there, Mr. Mason that was here for a short while and then helping Miss Gonzalez and now um, I don't even have to do it by myself because now I have my awesome co-director that there's times even last night we we call each other we're like all right we just need a vent and then we feel better after we have somebody there alongside that understands all the crazy that it is to be an ASV director. 
So, what is your favorite Starbucks drink? Hmm, favorite Starbucks drink. Well, um, here's <laughs> <laughs> here's the other thing about Weber. Weber is consistently inconsistent. Think about that for a second. Consistently inconsistent. Which means if Mr. Weber was to go to Starbucks and get me my favorite drink, he wouldn't even know what to get me um, because I switch things up. But I will tell you, recently I've started to drink my coffee black. And I never thought I would be able to drink my coffee black. But going to Starbucks and trying the different black coffees has been a thing recently. Um, But yeah, like a, a general... White chocolate mocha is always going to make me happy. And last, um, from Ms. Val herself, um, what is it like being the baddest bee in town? (laughs) Oh, Val would ask an inappropriate question, but that's one of the things that I appreciate about Val is, like, she is straight forward. And to be honest, like, I would never even consider myself to be that. (laughs) Um, and the reality is, is as confident as I may or may not appear right now, like I struggle at times and I have this voice in my head that's a mental haggler that's telling me like, you're not enough. Um, what you said was, was not well received or you're just rambling. Um, so I, I have that in my head and it's something that. I have to overcome at times, and it's not always easy. Um, So, yeah, no, I would not consider myself that. (laughs) And I have to even sometimes build myself up to understand my worth. And I know even as ASB students, you guys do a great job sometimes being like, no, we love you, you're awesome. Um, And it's good to hear that from others, but just because you hear it from others doesn't mean it always sticks. And even Mr. Weber's constantly telling me like you're, uh, he calls it imposter syndrome and just the, like, you think that you're never good enough, but the reality is you are. And part of it is, is I sit there and I'm like, Oh, I'm not doing it enough. Like I didn't call all the students that have missing assignments. So, but sometimes you have to realize that you're one person and even if you just reach one, that one is one more than you potentially wouldn't have reached. So. You should start a TED Talk. <laughs> uh, that would be another adventure, another hat. <laughs> I need to watch more TED Talks. I need to find time in my life to watch more TED Talks, and then we'll see about actually creating TED Talks. We didn't even talk about community service and, and uh, why it's so important. That's okay. Maybe maybe next year's podcast. Part two of Miss Weber. <laughs> all right, so that's all we have for you today, Miss Weber. So uh, we want to thank you for coming on and speaking to us and the students. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Make sure you guys drop us a follow on Instagram and Spotify at High School Transcript. And be sure to keep an eye out for our new episodes as they're released every Wednesday and Sunday. See you guys next time.